A Telltale Pod Production. Is anything more important than the love of family and a home? When other things seem more valuable and each wants something that another has, jealousy and deceit bring havoc. Can there ever be redemption? A magician saw a beggar boy in the street playing a one-stringed instrument with such skill that he stopped immediately and conjured up a beautiful violin of shining gold with four strings spun from spider's thread and a bow from hair from a unicorn's tail. He said to the child, Do you want to try it? The boy couldn't resist, and as soon as the bow touched the strings, his fingers hardly seemed to be his own as they ran up and down, making the most beautiful sounds he had ever heard. He felt he must have it. It was as if a spell had been cast over him. If you come with me, I'll give you this violin said the magician. I need someone to play with me in the lonely kingdom. And before the boy had a chance to reply, the magician whisked him away to his abode in a dark, gloomy country. Looking in horror at a grey barren land of mist, which seemed to have no people or animals or trees or flowers, the boy begged to go back to his home. Only now that he had left it did he realise what a beautiful land of colour, smells and sunshine he had came from. But it was too late. Instead, the magician took the violin and, inside the body of the instrument, painted oranges and lemons and dark green leaves and white snowy mountains that ran down to an azure sea. This will remind you of home, he said. Every day the magician commanded the boy to play, and he obeyed. But every now and then the magician would go away, and he would warn the boy sternly, Never go down beyond the mist which encircles my kingdom, for if you do, you will lose your voice. Sometimes the boy, longing for home, would go to the very edge of the curtain of mist and listen to the sounds drifting up to him from the village far below, especially in the summer, when he heard the happy sounds of fiddlers and dancers and families enjoying themselves on the village green, just like the sounds of home. 
how he yearned to join them, and he began to think, what use is my voice if I have no one to talk to? One day the magician had to go away. The boy took his violin and went down to the very edge of the curtain of mist. Sounds of music, dancing and merriment rose up the slopes, and he too began to play and jig around. When he heard the laughing voices, he laughed too, and sang along with them until night fell. Then the sounds died away as everyone went home. The boy looked up into the sky, which was no sky, but more like a shroud that bound him to this hard, rocky earth. Just as by day he saw no sun, by night he saw no moon or stars, only the impenetrable grey fog becoming darker and darker. Suddenly he knew he must escape this barren, colourless mountain where no birds flew, where the only sound to be heard was the music of his own violin. He knew he must go, whatever the cost, and burst through this mist to the other side, even if it meant losing his voice. What a surprise when, the next morning, the villagers at the foot of the mountain awoke to find a boy standing in the middle of the market square, wearing only his white cotton pyjamas, with a violin tucked under his arm. His skin was as dark as India, his eyes as black as Africa, and his hair as tangled as unkempt brambles. Children found him first and laughed. Who's that odd boy? When he seemed unable to tell them his name, they called him Odd Boy. The dogs didn't growl at him, but sniffed around his bare feet, with their tails wagging. Soon a crowd gathered and asked his name, but he shrugged and shook his head. They asked where he had come from. Having no voice, he simply tucked the fiddle under his chin and began to play. At first, the notes rose from the strings like trees wailing and whistling in the wind, or birds calling to each other in the forest, and everyone stood spellbound. But then he began to tap his foot, and the music seemed to descend to earth with jiggity-joggity rhythms, and soon other villagers appeared, still sleepy from the night before. But even so, as the boy played, they couldn't help linking arms, dancing and swinging in circles and squares and hops and skips. Even babies bounced up and down in their mother's arms, and everybody smiled, then laughed, then cheered. But a few people wanted to drive him away. Send him back to where he came from, one of them muttered. But where did he come from? asked another. Then they all looked up the mountain behind them and nodded to each other. It loomed high above the village with its steep sides and chasms that would swallow you up. Sheer precipices fell thousands of feet, and its peak was never seen, for there was always a barrier of white swirling mist above which no one in living memory had ever ventured. A magician lives up there, they told each other and warned their children never to climb too high. 
A few brave ones had gone to the very edges of the white void, but never beyond. For how could someone see the path, or know where the dangerous chasms and crevices were? Sometimes, far above, they would hear the rumble of tumbling rocks and the roar of landslides and say, There's the magician casting his spells. That's it, laughed someone. The odd boy came down from the mountain. Well, if he did, he should go back. He may be a sorcerer's child, someone warned. And they all laughed a little shakily, for no one was ever sure if the stories were true. At any rate, odd boy doesn't belong here, they agreed. And they pointed him towards the mountain, telling him to go back where he'd came from. But Oddboy had sacrificed his voice to be in a land of colour and sound and people again. Although he could say nothing, his violin spoke for him of how he longed to stay in this pretty village with its honeystone walls and its orchards of green apples, golden pears, red plums and cherries, and how he delighted in the bubbling river that tumbled down from some unknown mountain source above. His music danced as he thought of all this beauty around him, and people couldn't help smiling when he seemed to express all the things they wanted to hear. Happiness, thoughtfulness, jollity, and sometimes heartbreaking sadness. He never wanted to go back to the Grey Kingdom of the Magician, but still, they wanted to send him away. Then, old blind Mr. Petamiengi, the village music teacher and fiddler for all events, said, No, no, no! Don't talk silly nonsense! If he wants to stay, let him stay! We can't let such a wonderful fiddler go! He can live with me and my grandson, Remus! Never have I heard such magical playing in all my born days, if only... He paused, then bit his lip, and said nothing more. But Remus knew that, although he had been brought up to play from the cradle, and was expected to follow in his grandfather's footsteps, he would never be as good a violinist as Oddboy. All the stranger had to do was lift his fiddle under his chin and play and people would begin to tap their feet, or sway dreamily, or break into a dance. Oddboy soon earned his keep, for he was always in demand to play at weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs, name days, birthdays, anniversary, fates and parties, and he quickly began to feel at home. Every evening after supper, Mr. Petamiengi would sit in his chair by the fire and say, Odd boy, play for me. And Odd boy would pick up his fiddle and play a tune which seemed full of mysterious longing, but always expressed all his gratitude. What's the name of that melody? asked Grandfather Petamiengi. And when Odd boy couldn't reply, he said, Well, it seems to me to sing of a land of colour and sunshine. Is that where you come from? Is that where your home is? I'll call your tune the Song of Home. And he muttered words which somehow came into his head, which fitted. 
I sing of a land where roses blow and lemons grow and orange trees float in a deep green shade. How it soothed the blind old man, the beautiful sounds bringing him greater joy and peace than he had ever known. How galling for Remus who had to carry on caring for his grandfather as he had done for years, cooking and cleaning, fetching and carrying, and then practising the violin as much as he could, because it meant so much to grandfather, who wanted him to be the village fiddler when he himself was too old to carry on. Yet, even though he practised and practised, Remus knew he would never be as good as Odd Boy, and the more he practised, the more dispirited he became. People used to think he was a good fiddler, and it was he who would have been asked to play for them if Mr. Petanyangi wasn't available. But now they always demanded Odd Boy. One day, when Remus was dutifully doing his daily practice, Grandfather Petanyangi asked Odd Boy to harness the horse and cart and go out into the forest to collect logs for the fire. So Oddboy set off to do the old man's bidding. As soon as he'd gone, Remus noticed Oddboy's violin lying on the bed, and he couldn't help picking it up. It didn't seem to be made of the same wood as his, and when he peered inside the body of the instrument, he saw it was painted with oranges and lemons, entwined with dark green leaves, and encircled with roses just like the words that had come into his grandfather's head when listening to Oddboy's melody. Remus put the violin to his chin and drew the bow across the strings. Immediately, the most beautiful sound emerged. Oddboy, is that you? Blind old Mr. Petamiengi called out. Remus hurriedly picked up his own fiddle and scratched the strings. No, grandfather, it's just me. Practising, he answered. Mm, for a moment you sounded as good as Oddboy. You're improving, said his grandfather. Yes, thought Remus to himself. If I owned a violin like this, everyone would think I was a wonderful fiddler too. The longer Oddboy stayed, the more resentful of him Remus became. It seemed to him that Oddboy was making himself too much at home. Remus began to feel unwanted and wished that the interloper would go away. The weather turned very cold. There was snow in the air and the logs were running low. After a while, Mr. Petamiengi asked Oddboy to take the horse and cart into the forest to collect more wood. Oddboy went to the stable, and as soon as he was out of earshot, Remus said to his grandfather, I'll go instead of Oddboy. I know where the best wood is. You're a good lad, murmured Grandfather Petamiengi. Oddboy was turning onto the track when Remus ran up and said, When you reach the fallen log, take the path to the left, for there you will find plenty of wood. He knew he was sending Oddboy into a dark, tangled part of the forest where the cart would get mired up and he could easily get lost. Expecting Oddboy to be away for a very long time, 
Remus ran back into the house and, saying not a word, went up to Oddboy's room. There was the violin lying on his bed. He picked it up, put it to his chin and began to play. Strange, beautiful sounds came from the fiddle. Grandfather Petamiengi called from below. Oddboy, come down and play for me in the parlour. I do so love to hear you. So Remus went downstairs and, without saying a word, sat near the window playing Oddboy's fiddle. Grandfather listened intently to the notes coming from the strings. This is a different sort of music, he murmured. Something's changed. Aren't you happy with us any more? What are you thinking of, boy? Play me the song of home. But of course, it wasn't Odd Boy playing. It was Remus, and he couldn't play the song of home. The violin wouldn't let him. Instead, it was playing out Remus's inner thoughts. By now, Odd Boy must have reached the log in the wood. He must be following the track to the left he was thinking. The track ran deep into the forest where it soon led to a dense thicket and with the snow falling thick and fast, the air so cold, Oddboy's fingers would freeze. That notion pleased Remus a lot. If only, oh, if only Oddboy never came back, the marvellous violin would be his forever and his grandfather would praise him. That's what Remus was thinking. And those were the thoughts that came from his fingers, speaking through the violin. His music got faster and faster, and his heart thudded in time to the beat as he thought of riches he would gain. His grandfather cried out fearfully, What, boy? Is it really you? Your playing disturbs me. I've never heard such dark thoughts in your music before. It seems to me full of plotting and scheming. Of hatred, even. Where is my grandson? Is he home yet? Just then, there was the sound of a horse and cart crunching on the hard snow outside. Oddboy was back. The door flung open and there he stood, his arms full of logs. He dumped them in the hearth, then turned and gazed, a long and piercing gaze, at the deceiving grandson. I'm glad you're back so soon, Remus, my boy. Our boy was playing such disturbing music. It's unsettled me. Yes, Grandfather, I'm back with a cart full of logs. I'll stock up the fire and heat some stew for supper, said Remus, thrusting the fiddle at Oddboy. What did he care if Oddboy stared at him, as if he were a traitor? What could he do about it? How did the dumb speak to the blind? He stomped away defiantly. Oddboy looked at the blind old man, sprawled in his chairs with tears on his cheeks, and began to play the song of home. Grandfather Petamiengi relaxed and smiled. That's better, he sighed. Wherever you play the music, I see gold and beautiful land, groves of orange and lemon trees, mountains of snow that run down to an azure sea. And I think that must be your home, odd boy. His voice trailed away. Is that where you come from? He murmured, half asleep. But now Remus became obsessed with driving odd boy away. He spread stories in the village that there was something definitely odd about odd boy. 
Our milk curdles whenever Oddboy fetches the pail from the cow. Our best hen has stopped laying eggs. Chairs move across the room all by themselves. And I saw the kitchen table rise up to the ceiling. All four legs off the ground, I swear. And last week, after Oddboy took out the horse and cart, the horse fell sick. Someone murmured, A devil's child, to be sure. Others nodded in agreement. Get rid of him! Get rid of him! They muttered. We always knew there was something odd about him. But he has cast the biggest spell of all over my grandfather, said Remus grimly. My grandfather thinks he's an angel, not a devil. He won't hear a word said against him. He will never send him away. I think Oddboy has made my grandfather love him more than me. Send him back from where he came from, someone muttered. Yes, send him back, send him back, the voices rose in agreement. But where did he come from? asked another. Then they all looked up at the mountain. A Tell a Tale Pod production.